Sports Radio welcomes you to the Lion's Den with your hosts, Michael Heiger and Louis Bellotta. Oh, you are listening to the Lion's Den here on Impact Sports. Hey, what's going on, everybody? As you can tell, we're not in great moods. This has not been the best Sunday and week following it. Of course, I'm your host, Michael Heiger. Thanks for tuning in. I'm joined, like every week, with my co-host, Louis Bellotta. How's it going? Ah, not How's too it going? good. Okay. Not too good. And Chris Bogus. Hey, Heiger. Hey, Chris. So, as you can tell, we're pretty sad. If you watched that Lions game on Sunday, you know what we mean. We got a lot to talk about on the show today. We're going to be recapping the Lions' 17-14 to 14 disaster fiasco loss to the Buffalo Bills. The, ga- the team that we picked as the lock of the season to beat. We are going to go into a lot of other news surrounding that game. We got Jim Schwartz, Lasergate, injuries on the horizon, a new kicker coming. We got a lot. And then... Of course, we're going to be previewing next week's Week 6 matchup against the Minnesota Vikings, and you will be getting our score predictions for next week's game as well at the end of the show. But of course, we got to get started with what we're all crying about right now, that Lions 17-14 to loss to the Buffalo Bills. Short recap, Lions scored one offensive touchdown in this game. A Golden Tate nine-yard catch from Matthew Stafford in the end zone. And then their other touchdown came with a Rasheen Mathis 41-yard pick six. Just want to point out, not to give myself too much credit, but I kind of called that last week. You did call that. Gave the Lions a 14-0 lead. Dan Carpenter for the Bills kicked a field goal to get going into the half to make it 14-3. He kicked another field goal in the third quarter. That was it for the third quarter, making it 14-6. to And we're like, uh-oh, it's a one-score game. What's going on? And then, of course, Kyle Orton. The lion killer. The lion killer. Oh, Nelson yeah. Cruz is the tiger killer. Yes. And Kyle Orton is the lion killer. The 5-0 and against the Lions, Kyle Orton now. With his two-yard pass to Chris Gregg. Who? 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 <laughs> I still don't know. And then, of course, the heartbreaker, why we're still crying today, <laughs> Dan Carpenter's 58-yard field goal with four seconds left to seal the deal and give the Bills the 17-14 win. And lost in all that, of course, is what everybody was talking about. Now former kicker for the Lions, Alex Henry, it's 0-3 output in the Lions lost last week, and we're going to get right into it. Guys, one offensive touchdown against a pretty average Bills defense, Eh. and zero field goals kicked by your kicker on three attempts. What's the main reason they lost? Lewis, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to have to go kicker, because without a doubt, he is the only reason why you lost. Yes, the offense was horrible. Yes, there's a lot of things that you could back up as to why the offense was horrible, and it's their fault, and it's not Alex Henry, because it should never just be one person's fault. But it is his fault. Ultimately, it is the kicker. 
and the special teams. You really think, even though, look, the Lions offense. Yeah, well, we go, here you go. Here you go. Would you be asking me that question if he made all three field goals? No. no. There we go. go. But we'd be talking about the Lions offense instead and their woes. Yes, but we have election. every single week, and it's just been one of those, you know, they looked good. But they looked bad, but they're definitely going to turn it around because it's only the beginning of the season. And it would be the same topic as it was last week and the week before and the week before, but not against the Giants because they look great. I have to disagree. I'm starting to worry a little bit on the offensive side of the ball. It's the off- you? If you want to put the, the blame on the offense, I'll give the blame on the offense, be- but it's only because of injury. They were yeah. without three guys that make them who they are with Bush, Bell, and Johnson all out during the game. Can you really say it's only about injury, though? You still only put up seven points against the Carolina Panthers week two. This is very true, but I was just saying for this game, the injury wasn't really a problem in the for the Panther game. Injury was a problem for this game. That's why I'm not going to give it so much on the offense as I am, as I am Alex Henry. This Lions offense, it's looked okay the passing game. I think Stafford's been okay. He hasn't been great. Okay is a great been, word. He hasn't been where I've wanted Mediocre. at the level I've wanted him to be at this year. But the Lions are 28 out of 32 teams in rushing offense this year. 83 yards per game. When you had a two-headed monster going into the season of Reggie Bush and Joey Bell, of course Bell was out with a concussion, and we saw an emergence of a new running back, George Wynn, this week, who I really like to see out there. Looked hometown kid. Um, real feel good story, but still you, the numbers just aren't going to do it guys. And of course you could go into how the Lions are only four of 12 on field goals this year. And that only the third team in the past 10 years to miss their, to miss two thirds of their field goals in the first five games. Despicable. Three teams in the past 10 years and you're one of them. And of course it's despicable. But this is a game. This is a team that needs to get that needs to take advantage of their opportunities when they're in the red zone, and you can't do it without a running game. Six carries for 13 yards for Reggie Bush isn't going to do it for me, and that's why I think this game falls solely on the offense and falls solely on the rushing game. Reggie Bush only did play one half. He did only play one half, but still 2.2 yards per carry. The numbers are still there. Very true. With Calvin Johnson and Reggie Bush out, and Joyke Bell out, Matthew Stafford still has. Enough weapons to score. I would agree with that. Bills. So that's why I would say that it does rest on the offense. Yeah, you can't be missing three field goals, but in the same sense, the Lions should be scoring three touchdowns a game. At least a touchdown for Calvin, a touchdown for Tate, and a touchdown for Reggie. Or, you know, mix it up. It's 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 unexcusable. I know we've been hard on this guy all year, and I know he's a rookie, but Eric Ebron has got to catch the football. When you catch the when you have the ball in your hands and you are diving into the end zone, you've got to complete the process. Number the one, no Lions fan like to hear complete the process, Mister Ebron, because you have to take advantage of those opportunities, and that's a touchdown loss that didn't get put up on the scoreboard. Yeah, you know, you, number one picks have to make that. Mm-hmm. Look at Odell Beckham Jr. He had a pretty good catch with the Giants this week. He's been injured all season, and now first game. Touchdown pass. Sammy Watkins looked better than Ebron. You know, Sammy there's been Watkins. receivers who were picked in the second round. Allen Robinson for the Jaguars has looked better than Eric Ebron this year. That's why I'm still not a fan of the Eric Ebron pick, and I probably never will be unless somehow Eric Ebron turns into Jimmy Graham. 
I'll be happy if he turns into Vernon Davis. I'll be happy if he turns into a Vernon Davis, but it's, and at this point, I don't see him turning into a in uh, anything. Into an anything. Is the next Pettigrew? Yeah, he is the next Pettigrew, and he was picked earlier than Pettigrew. Where's Pettigrew at? Why aren't we? You know, the Lions aren't throwing to all their weapons. Well, I think I, I Pettigrew think is not. Let's, just, let's put that to rest right now. Pettigrew is not a weapon. Well, he's at least a player on the team who's not getting the ball. That's true, but that's probably because he's not a weapon, and they know what he's just going to drop the ball like he always does. Guys, we, before before I, we carry I on, I sit that haterade before, for Pettigrew. Before we carry on, we don't have a breaking news button, but I do have some breaking news. We're going to get into this a little more later in the show, but we have some Lions kicker breaking news. The Lions have signed nobody. Yeah, uh, Matt Raiders tryout with, according to uh, Josh Katzenstein. Who? Matt Pri- I, I'm just reading this on Twitter. <laughs> Matt Prater's tryout with the Lions has yet to start. Growing chance a decision will wait until Wednesday morning. Uh. So the anticipation is going to carry on. But before we get into that, let's carry on with this conversation. And I want to know from you, Chris Lewis, should Calvin Johnson have been playing in this game as a decoy? And was it worth him being in this game? Because you saw him re-injure himself. No. 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 I said last week, you, he doesn't have to play this game, and he doesn't have to play next week either. Have him rested for the long haul. We have a very difficult uh, end of the season. and You need we, Calvin Johnson. Yeah, Calvin Johnson needs to be there. If you're going to put Calvin Johnson in, in as a decoy, use him as a decoy. Because they were using him as a decoy, okay, until he threw him the ball. And then until he re-injured his already injured ankle, he should have never been in that game. I have a question for you, both of you. Do you think Schwartz told his player to go low on Kelvin? (laughs) That was a questionable hit. That was... Do you think that? I think Schwartz would be the guy to tell his player to do that. Here's the thing about Jim Schwartz. I have some very choice words, and I'm going to have to watch my language because I am on the air, that I want to use towards Jim Schwartz. I don't think he told his player to go low on Calvin Johnson. I think he does have respect for Calvin Johnson. But after the display that he showed after that game, I am absolutely disgusted with Jim Schwartz. You are a defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. You are not a head coach. You are not out there on the field winning that game. And yet you tell your team before the game, if we win, I want to be carried off the field on your shoulders. That is absolutely despicable. I think it's a joke that Jim Schwartz was carried off on the field. And I think he looks like a joke. A complete joke. And Golden Tate said the same thing. He never played under Jim Schwartz, but he was able to call him out. And I think all the Lions players that played under him feel the exact same way that uh, that we do here on this podcast right now. I would have to agree with you. And here's the thing. You want to be carried off the field. What What is this? Just to show up the, show up the fans? Or is he just selfish? Because did Doug Marone get carried off the field for beating the Lions? No. The Lions are just another team to Doug Marone. But yeah, they were another team to Schwartz because he was their head coach last season. But still in that same aspect, it's the Lions. They were 3-1. and one. They didn't just win a Super Bowl. They don't have like the best team in the league. It isn't an accomplishment to beat the Lions. It's disgusting. It is disgusting. You want to carry somebody off the field. How about you carry off Dan Carpenter, who kicked the game-winning 58-yard field goal? Exactly. I am... You can tell I'm angry, and I've been trying to bottle up this anger for this show because I'm ready to let it all out. I think Jim Schwartz should be absolutely ashamed of himself 
for what he did on the field. And he defended it, too. He doesn't have a problem with what he did. And he the fact that he told his players before the game, oh, if we win, carry me off the field, it's a joke. It's a complete joke. It's showing up the fans of Detroit. And it's showing up his coaching staff, too, because it's saying he's better than them. I'm sorry. If you're a coach who got fired by an NFL team, have you ever seen a coach who played their former NFL team get carried off the field by their players? When was the last time you saw an NFL coach after beating, get carried off after the field? After beating Never. that in week five. Not that even. didn't even get you into the playoffs. It was week five. It's week five. This was not. This is not the Super Bowl. You are a three and two NFL football team. And in case I forgot, in case you're forgetting, you're the Buffalo Bills. Okay, what have you done that the Lions haven't done? Neither team has won a Super Bowl before. Neither team. No, not before. Not in a while. The Buffalo, Buffalo Bills won on the. They've been to the Super Bowl. Oh, they, they didn't. Oh, you're, won a Super you're Bowl. right. They you're lost. Right. I four stand corrected. Super Bowls. I stand corrected. You are correct. I'm sorry, but if you're Jim Schwartz, you have zero right to be carried off the field by your players. And Golden Tate had every right for the words that he used towards him. And I wish I could say some of those words on the air right now because I feel the exact same way. The fact that it was orchestrated, like premeditated taunting, yes. is just uh, no respect for him. He's you can't respect someone like that. No, going he, forward, I didn't respect him last season, especially at the end of the year when he cussed out a fan. That's the type of guy he is. Complete type of guy he is, and it shows that he has zero respect for the people of Detroit. And he had no reason, and he had no reason to get respect back. <laughs> and I'm glad that he's gone. I'm glad he's not the coach of this team anymore because he was a failure. If he feels like he needs to show up a team because he failed at his job, shame on him. Oh yeah, shame on him. This man is just I, a I disgrace all the way around. I trying to rub in the noses of the Lions. I don't either. Just, uh, I'm also glad that the Bills are not in the division with the Lions because if we had to see Jim Schwartz twice a year, I would be as mad as Tiger. If the Lions had played the Baltimore Ravens this year and we beat the Baltimore Ravens, if the Lions beat the Baltimore Ravens, do you think Jim Caldwell's asking his team, hey, guys, put me up on your shoulders. This team fired me. No, no, because he is a humble guy and very respectable. Unlike Jim Schwartz, you don't have to be humble to not do that. You, uh it's just, uh it's just. You're not Rudy, okay? You're not Rudy. Rudy got carried off the field. You are not Rudy. I, Chris, you have this look on your face as if you have no idea who Rudy is. I know who Rudy is. Okay, just double check. <laughs> Come <checking>. on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. Man. I just don't. I. I think the players should be at fault too for being like, "Oh yeah, we'll carry you on our shoulders" because that's totally awesome. Well, also I want to playing off of this. I want to give the Buffalo Bills a come on, man. Why are you still complaining about somebody shining a laser in the eyes of your players? You won the game. It didn't cost you the game. Nobody can prove whether it cost you a field goal or not, but you made one from fifty-eight yards. When the pressure was on. Obviously, a laser didn't disrupt that. What are you complaining about? Of course, the Lions fan did go out and tweet, yeah, I was the one with the laser. I don't know if I believe him. I don't know if I believe him either. But come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. If if you win a football game, I don't want to hear you complaining. Oh, yeah. It's just, oh, my gosh. Doug Marone is making a big deal out of it. You know what? This is a perfect example about people always got to complain about something. And that has nothing to do with football, but I just wanted to put that out there. Continuing on. Continuing on. And we did just touch on this. Of course, Alex Henry was released by the Lions yesterday. Deservedly so. Thank you. Sayonara. If you remember, 
I remember he made his first kick as a lion, a 51-yard field goal. And we were all celebrating, hallelujah. Petrich Farm remembers. He wound up kick. He made. He, <laughs> he oh, remember Pat. when Alex Henry made his first field goal? He made one of five <laughs> of his kicks as a lion. The worst part Nate is Freeze he made. made more kicks. The, the worst part is he made that field goal away. And outdoors. Yeah. He couldn't even make one indoors with the home t- crowd with him. I'm I, baffled. I just don't understand. Like, I'm starting to blame Sam Martin. That's that's my legit, my legitimate excuse. I don't know. That is the question out. Chris, why do you blame Sam Martin? Of course, Sam Martin is the holder. And some of those kicks did look like they were a little wobbly. But I want to know from you, do you really think this was all Sam Martin's fault? Oh, no, it's not all Sam Martin's fault. But you got to wonder, is, uh, is Sam Martin putting the laces out? The one that was... See, the one that was concerning to me was the second kick he missed. The ball spun sideways. It was ugly. It didn't it it didn't even have that like you look at it and you're like, oh, oh. So the last one. The moment it went off his foot, no hope. It was same, completely same gone. With the last kick. It might have been the laser. Same with his third kick. That probably would have sealed the deal <laughs> and won the game. You know, you wonder if it's Sam Martin, but you can't put that blame on him yet. Honestly, third time's a charm because one of these kickers that the Lions will potentially sign are proven commodities in this league, and if they can't do it here, then we may have something with Sam well, Martin. Well, okay, I'd uh, so just to start off, I would just feel better if they just had Dan Orlovsky holding the kicks. I don't know why. It would just make me feel a little safer. Since Sam Martin has been holding the kicks, the Detroit Lions have hosted a kicker's graveyard. This is true. This is true. David Akers wasn't exactly a Jason Hansen last year. No. But the Lions did bring in three kickers, and they're working them out. And you have to believe they're working them out with Sam Martin. So they're working out with Sam Martin. They're getting their reps in with Sam Martin. I don't think that they'd take Sam. I don't think that they'd still have Sam Martin in if he wasn't having laces out. But they brought in three guys today, and of course, I guess looks like Matt Prater's going to be tomorrow. But Jay Feely, formerly of the Arizona Cardinals, who was cut last week. Um, or excuse me, in training camp, there's Matt Prater, who was arguably the best kicker in the NFL last year and broke the NFL record for longest field goal. Yes, he did with a 64 yard field goal, made 25 of 26 of his kicks last year, 96.2%. I just did some math. And then of course, <laughs> Connor Barth, who Connor Barth, formerly of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who was last on an NFL field in 2012, where he made 28 of 33 of his field goals for 84.8%. Some more math. He's made 84.2% of the kicks for his career. It's pretty, pretty good. But I want to know from you guys, who is the guy that you want to see the Lions sign and who will the Lions sign as it looks like it's it going to be unanimous. coming down yep. to tomorrow. It is going to be Jay unanimous. Jay Feely. Is who they are going to sign. It's the Lions move. It's giving me the feelies. I got the feels. I got the feelies. That the Lions feel. are going to sign Jay Feely because that is the Lions thing to do. Both Jay Feely and Matt Prater do have some Michigan ties. <clears throat> Jay Feely, of course, was the kicker at the University of Michigan. Ew. Ugh. Ugh. And, and then Matt Prater is actually signed as an undrafted free agent um, back in 2006 by the Lions uh, to kick under Jason Hansen, get some reps in in training camp. Of course, they cut him because Jason Hansen. 
the best. Because Jason Haynes. So they so both of them do have some ties with the Lions. Connor Barth, none that I know of. But I, the Jay Feely thing is just the move that the Lions would make. They signed David Akers last year. I mean, that's honestly, I think they're they're one and the same. I see them as one and the same in my mind as as a kicker. I see Alex Henry one of the same. I just one don't. I just don't trust kickers anymore. I just if don't they were know good in Madden two thousand and six, the Lions would sign them. But I have a question for you guys, and I've been wondering this because it got brought up on Sunday during the during uh, the Fox telecast. Is it really the Lions kickers who are having this problem? Or should part of this blame be put on the people evaluating these kickers and scouting these kickers and deciding, oh, this is the guy that we need to bring in? Because if you really worked out Alex Henry and that's what you and you were expecting to get better than one out of five and you got one out of five out of him, shouldn't some of the blame be put on the guys evaluating the kickers? And how about Nate Freeze, who you drafted with the seventh round pick? Obviously, you scouted him. You looked at some. You looked at some tape. Who's looking at these kickers and going to Martin Mayhew and saying, hey, we got to sign this guy. He's the next Jason Hansen. See, here's the thing. I'm not much of a scout, nor do I not. I don't know much about scouting. But I think the kicker position is a lot harder to scout than any other position player. Because, say, with quarterbacks, you see their feet, their positioning, the motion of their arms, how they throw, their height, their strength, all that stuff. With a kicker, you see the kick. it's pretty bread and butter. It's... How many kicks have they completed? How far can they make it? And what's their potential? I think that's the only three keys that they look at that. Well, then, obviously, when they did bring in Henry, they worked out um, also Garrett Hartley and Rob Baronis. May he rest in peace. But you don't really think that Garrett Hartley or Rob Baronis could have done better than one for five? Well, why didn't they bring in Jay Feely or Matt Prater then? Well, Matt, Matt Prater, Prater was not released. Matt Prater was just released by the Denver Broncos this past week following his uh, four-game suspension, I believe, for uh, smoking marijuana or just a violation of the NFL's drug policy, I guess would be the more official way to say it. But um, they do like that over in Colorado. However, <laughs> um, yeah, looks like... I don't, yeah, but back to your question, Chris. I mean, no one will really know why they didn't, you know, bring in Jay Feely. I mean, part of me thinks it's the money. Jay, Fe- it's kicker. I know. But I, think I know a lot it's a of kicker. it. Well, I think it is his age. Jay Feely is a is an aging man at thirty eight. I think maybe they were looking for more of a longer term long term solution, and that's why they didn't bring him in first time around. That is true. Alex Henry, he's and, a little bit younger. Uh, Garrett Hartley, both are some younger kickers. Obviously, Rob Baronis wasn't, and they didn't wind up signing him. But, um, yeah, I kind of think that at this point, you got to go with win now. I'd like to see them going into the draft, draft a kicker. One more thing. You just said that. We haven't talked about this in a while. But the Lions said at the beginning of the season, in the offseason, they were in win now mode. This is not like a win now mode team. You don't think this looks like a win now mode team? Why not? Just the way that the the way they're executing, I think a lot of the I think the like I think Stafford's mentality. I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't want to win, but he did not look good in this last game. I mean, you ha- if you're in win now mode, don't you think you have to beat the Buffalo Bills? I think if you're in win now mode, then if you're in win now mode, don't you think you should draft somebody other than a third tight end with your first round pick? Yeah, I think the t- I think the Lions are in win now mode, but I think the management doesn't understand what that means. <laughs> I don't think they do know what that means. And if you're in win now mode, I don't think you can necessarily say. Oh, they're not—they're not 
trying to win and they're not in win now mode if you don't have a kick if you I have guess, a kicker who's I guess here's what it comes down to and I wanted to bring this up earlier but I forgot. So when Alexandria missed his last Henry missed, missed the last field goal in that game, there was more than 20 seconds left on the clock. Why not keep driving? Golden Tate had just made a, like a 50-yard reception down the field. I mean, you know Alex Henry, he had just missed two field goals. I mean, were they thinking third time's the charm? I don't know if that's a win-now mode move, I but I think I would attack the end zone more because it gave them time, the Bills I'm speaking of, to drive back down the field and make a, a field goal of their own. Well, Why was, weren't they milking the clock or taking well, more advantage of the field? Was it fourth down? I'd say take a shot at the end zone with Alex Henry being missing 0 for 2 on the day indoors with a home crowd. But I think if you, if it's a tie game and all you need is a field goal to win, I think that was the conservative move, and I still think I'll stand by Jim Caldwell that that was still the right move to make. I don't know. Just I don't know, man. I don't know. Alex Henry is not known for the long leg. Jim Caldwell's known for his patience, though, this- and... He was given Alex Henry his shot. This is true. That's a, you know, we got it. we're completely angry with Alex Henry, but we can't be mad at Jim Caldwell because you're not just gonna oh your kicker made it missed a kick pull him. You can't do that. You don't have more kickers on your team. This is true. So you, that's why this is like the gray area of football. That's where there's just a failure. This is a failure, and it's not Jim Caldwell's fault. It's it just falls into this gray area. Just to go into a little more about what you were asking, Lewis, the Lions had fourth down and eight, with and the, and the Bills called a timeout with, um, looks to be about thirty three thirty four seconds left. So <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I don't know. I still at the Buffalo, even at the, at the Buffalo thirty two. Yeah, even though st- when I was sitting on my couch, I was more hoping they were going to go for it, just as a gutsy. Is a gutsy move because you knew what you you're, you knew the cards that you were dealt is basically what I was going from. Now but. on third and nine, a, a one yard a one yard pass to Golden Tate is not the play I would have liked no. to see. And it just there's, the there's so going. many analytics we can go into right now about that drive alone. But I mean, Golden Tate. If let's just put it, let's just put the rest of this to bed right now. If they didn't sign Golden Tate this off season, this we game would have look looked a lot uglier. Very true, because if you don't have Golden Tate, you're still running with Chris Durham and Ryan Broyles. He's currently your leading receiver. And he's currently, in my opinion, the MVP of this offense. Oh, yes. No doubt. Oh, who said that earlier this year? I think we all did. I think it was uh, me. I think we all did. (laughs) And here's the thing with Golden Tate. You can't trust Calvin Johnson to play 16 games anymore. No. I I said this in the preseason. You're lucky to get 12. And I still stand, and I'm still standing by that. I think you're going to be lucky to get ten, and I'm not going to count those two games as games that he played in because two games ago was a decoy. Last week he was still a decoy, and he came out about a quarter or two into the game with the re-injuring his ankle. Should have never even been in that game. Looks like he's not going to practice this week or play against the Minnesota Vikings. If they play him this, I mean, if they play him this week, it would be so stupid on their part. Do not play him against Minnesota. You need him against New Orleans. You need look, and this is even from a marketing standpoint. You need him in London. Absolutely. Why do you think they wanted the Lions in London? Sue and Megatron. There you go. You the if you look at the next three weeks before the bye week, you are going against the Minnesota Vikings, the New Orleans Saints, and the Atlanta Falcons. Not exactly the Seattle Seahawks on defense there. Nope. Not even exactly the Detroit Lions on defense there. Those are three of the worst defensive teams in the NFL, especially against the pass. So 
you got to rest Calvin Johnson. Let him sit a week. See how he's feeling after the Minnesota game, going into New Orleans. New Orleans just put Jairus Bird on the IR. Yep. I mean, that secondary is ripe for the picking. It was hurting before. Now and it's, it's even hurt. Oh, yes. They need him for October 19th at home against New Orleans. When the Saints come marching in. Oh, yes. Oh. All right, I won't go into that. Huh. The Falcons have an even worse defense. Yeah, you need him for week seven and eight before the bye week. But I don't be surprised, guys, if they hold him out until the bye week. I don't think that will happen. I think if they rest him at all, they will rest him for the Vikings game, and that's it. Or they won't rest him. Wouldn't you rather have him against the Arizona Cardinals and the New England Patriots and the Chicago Bears, who have much more stout defenses than your next three opponents? I would, but do you have... I would rather have him for the rest of the season, if I could. Yeah, but I would rather rest him until he's 100% healthy. It it, kind of reminds me of how Miguel Cabrera in August and September for the Tigers, when you saw him limping while running out a si- while trying to run out a single on the base pats, I would always say, why is Miguel Cabrera in your game in the game? Yes, he's your best player, but don't risk further injury of your best player. And that's what the Lions did this past week and it blew up in their face. They- I think I think on- oh, sorry to cut you off. I think we can honestly correlate Miggy and Megatron to one and the same as a player. The best in their field in their respected game, but they can't make it through a whole season. Absolutely not. They're both aging superstars, too. You have to get into that, too. Calvin's not exactly the young guy coming out of the draft in 2007 now, or even the young guy who who broke the NFL receiving record a couple of years ago. He's 29 years old, which isn't exactly young for a wide receiver, guys. Eight years into the league. You got to start looking into the future. And within I three think years, the Lions need to trade him. Oh yeah, within th- oh no, uh, no, uh-huh. no. Yep. He's one of those. You trade him no. like it's kind of like a Miguel Cabrera. Same thing. You trade, can't him, trade him before. A Miguel no, Cabrera. that's kind of like a Justin Verlander. Nope. You're treating you're treating Calvin like a Verlander right now. Yeah, trade him too. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, <sighs> we could go into that. But this yeah. is a Lions podcast. No. We'll I think we need. To, I think we need to look ahead to next week. Yes, we do. We're ready to look ahead to next week because we could, we could spend last... all day yeah. on this topic. I could talk about Jim Schwartz for hours and oh, hours. Yes. <laughs> but it's time to look into next week's game, Week Six's matchup, where the Lions are going to be going to Minnesota to take on the Vi- the two and three Minnesota Vikings. Guys, Minnesota's been pretty hard to figure out this year. They've been pretty Minnesota. They've been pretty Minnesota. They've had pretty big wins, big big <laughs> wins against St. Louis and Atlanta. St. Louis is pretty bad, but Atlanta a forty-one to twenty-eight victory. They're, they scored. They they put up forty-one points on Atlanta, but of course they lost to New England. Got blown out. Couldn't do anything against that defense. Couldn't do anything against the Saints, against a mediocre defense. And then of course last week the blowout at Lambeau on Thursday night, forty-two to ten. See, looking at this schedule right now of their previously played games, and I'm speaking of the Vikings. <laughs> They they either dominate or implode. So what's it going to be? So what team are we going to get this week? I think we're going to get the dominant Minnesota Vikings. I I solely believe. I think they're looking. They're, they just came off a tough home loss against your former head coach who just dogged the whole fan base in front of everyone. You don't have a kicker you can trust. Your number one player is hurt. Your top two running backs are hurt. You're starting a guy with the last name Win, and your team doesn't even know if they can win. I think you're going to get the best Minnesota Vikings. It is their 
first, oh no, second divisional matchup, but first at home, I think Minnesota is going to bring the house. Lions are limping into Minnesota with a needle in their paw. You don't know if they're going to have Joey Bell back. You don't know if they're going to have Reggie Bush back. I'm assuming they're not going to have Calvin Johnson back. This is a beat-up team. And they're beat up not only physically, but mentally as well. And I don't see them coming into Minnesota with that confidence of, we have to win this game. We are going to win this game. I don't see that if you're going to be sitting out three of your best offensive weapons. And Matthew Stafford hasn't looked that confident to me this year. That And I don't see him going into Minnesota and continuing that confidence. And the Vikings on the ground, even though they're missing AP, have actually had a very, very strong run def- run Ten- offense. Tenth in the league. Tenth in the league. 130 running yards, rushing yards per game. About 50 more than the Lions are rushing per game, which is a joke if you consider that they're running with Matt Asiata and Jarek McKinnon. Matt, Matt Asiata isn't anybody to sleep on. Well... I, I didn't sleep on him on my fantasy team this week, and that kind of blew up on my face. It did, so. it did, yeah, me, it did. did me too. He didn't do it, too well against the Packers. Yeah, no, he didn't. But I think the guy What's to the... watch out for big time next week is Teddy Bridgewater. A hundred percent agree. He will be the absolute difference maker with his legs. Nope. No. Nope. Why? They have the the Minnesota Vikings have not played a good defense. The best defense they have played is the New England Patriots, and they got blown out thirty to seven. I know you guys are saying, "Will they implode or will they destroy?" They will implode. Detroit is a very great defense. You you can say how bad the Lions did last week or, or Sunday against the Bills, but their defense kept them in the game the whole time. Their offense didn't do anything, but their defense kept them there. Well, Chris, you just said it. Their offense didn't do anything, and you can't trust this offense to do anything because they haven't been doing anything. And guess what? You can't sleep on this Vikings defense. 11th in the league against the pass. Yes, they're 19th against the rush, but that's middle of the pack, and the Lions' rush offense isn't exactly anything to run home about and say, oh, they're going to dominate against the Vikings. Let's put it this way. They beat Julio Jones and Roddy White and Devin Hessner. 41 to 28. So who are they going to beat this week? Uh, Golden Tate and uh, Ryan Broyles and Corey Fuller? And Eric Ebron, kind of, sort of, if they throw to him? Look, I'm not trying to gang up on you. I know that's what it sounds like right here. Chris this, is right. How it, this is how it is every time. We're going to get into our score predictions pretty soon to finish up our show. But you really can't sleep on Teddy Bridgewater. I'm going to sleep on Teddy Bridgewater until I see him do something that I actually care about. He's only played in two games. He sat out last week with an injury, but he's back. He Chris, practiced today. Chris, are you homeless? Why are you sleeping on a bridge under the water? Oh, uh, boo. The Vikings will get smashed by Detroit's wah, wah, defense. Wah. Detroit is not going to lose a division game. Jim Caldwell will not let that happen. Oh, yeah? They'll get turned around. Detroit's oh, yeah? not going to lose a division game. No. Not especially. So not. they're going to finish 6-0 and in the division. Yeah, I hope so. You hope so. Yep. I hope so, too. It's not going to happen. <laughs> we we just, okay, you think, obviously, it's apparent that Green Bay has turned things around since we destroyed them week two. Yes. But yes. that Green Bay team decimated the Vikings. So you, you don't know. think that the Lions could, the Green Bay doesn't even have a good defense. Okay, Christian Ponder was playing quarterback, but what do you think? You just said it. Christian Ponder was playing quarterback. Christian Ponder, it's probably the worst quarterback to start an NFL game this season and probably the last <laughs> three or four seasons. Christian Ponder is absolute garbage, okay? He's absolute garbage. So the fact Amen that they only that. put up 10 points against the Packers, I'm not surprised at all. And you have to remember, too, it was raining in Lambeau. 
They're going to be in Minnesota at home in their comfy confines. See, I think here's the one thing that we just alluded on that we all forgot. Who started the first three weeks? Matt Castle. Yep. He's not that great. And that's where they fumbled. They blew out St. Louis, but that's St. Louis. That's St. Louis. They're not very impressive. But Matt Castle only put up seven points. Matt Castle only put up nine points. Who put up 41? Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater against the Atlanta Falcons. Here's his numbers. 19 for 30, 317 yards against and an that Atlanta was, defense. And that was before he got hurt. Before He, he did got that hurt. all before he got hurt. Yep. I don't know. He, he played I, the whole game. Is it just, oh, did he? Yes, he did. Oh, I thought he got knocked out. No. Didn't watch it. My bad. Neither did we. Neither did I. I'm just looking <laughs> at the box scores. So he did play the whole game, though. I'm curious to see how they utilize Corderell Patterson. Because that's somebody who I said in the preseason was going to torture the Lions. And I thought was going to be the breakout star in the NFC North. We haven't seen much of him uh, all season, really, since week one. But I think Corderell Patterson is somebody who could really well sneak up on the Lions and nip them in the butt. Until Detroit fails on defense, I'm not going to doubt them. They have yet to prove me wrong on defense, so I'm yet to count them as a loss, it especially is, against the Vikings. It is a, it is valid. I would, I would agree with you. But the one thing that the, that the Atlanta Falcons said going into the game that they had is they weren't too sure about it because they had no film of Teddy Bridgewater. They didn't know what to expect from the guy, and the guy lit him up. The Lions only have one game of film on Teddy Bridgewater. Are they going to be just as prepared? I don't think that they, I don't think they're going to be very prepared. But it's really hard to say because you've seen te- they. It's not like they had much film with Kyle Orton and since he played with the Bears. Look what he did. It's really hard to say um, about film because you see rookie quarterbacks come out all the time and dominate, and you see rookie quarterbacks come out all the time and fail. I don't think it's going to have to do much with film. But you just have to know who you're playing against and plan around. The Lions are coming out of an extremely ugly loss against the Buffalo Bills. They're getting a new kicker again. <laughs> we but, said that two weeks ago. Yeah, we did Woo! say that two weeks, and then they won that game. They beat the Jets. But so are we going to go with new kicker win every single week? Hold on, every hold, other week. That's how it's going, guys. We have some breaking kicker news. Oh, oh. the Perfect. Lions have signed. Nobody. Nobody oh, you are. I just thought that I'd get you guys. Oh, you got us. Uh, I, 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 got I like you. ran to my Twitter tab and then saw nothing. Oh, and was goodness. like, I see where this is going. You interrupted me for that crap. Okay. I've been updating my Twitter all week. Oh, yeah. Or, excuse me, all, all week, day. Yes. Well, I mean, hey, all week. It's been two days. I, I did just want to get into some small news and notes with the Lions. Uh, Kyle Van Noy says that he's 100% healthy and ready to go. Nice. We said... Um, he is eligible to come off of short-term IR um, against the Atlanta Falcons. I think we're going to see him play in that game. We'll see about that. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I think they just go with ten. The defense is doing pretty well. Maybe as a rotational player. Yeah. yeah. Start. A couple get a couple. Couple ease them in. in before the yeah. bye week. And then the Lions actually did sign somebody today. Yes, they sign. Wait for it. A former Jaguars player Whoa. and a cornerback. Whoa! His name is, drumroll, Mike Harris. Oh! They signed him to the practice squad. Who? Cut Josh Victorian. Oh, no. Who's that guy? Oh. Sad to see The janitor? Go. Oh. Cut the janitor? Sad to see Victorian Happy go. trails. The era comes to an end. Oh, man. What a great era that was. 
However, the Victorian era. One other news. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. That 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 was very good, Chris. One other very piece good. of news. That was better than my homeless. Former room. Lions running back Barry Sanders says that he would love to see his son Barry Sanders Jr. right now the running back at Stanford to be in a Lions uniform. Bring him in. Better than Theo Riddick. That dude's an afterthought. Wow. Chris, you and Theo Riddick, you love him, don't no, you? No, I'm just, you didn't give him much time, man. He, all he did was pull Hey, his guess what? Guess what? This was his time. What has Barry, Barry Jr. done at Stanford? Not much. He just started this season playing. Man, don't be high on Barry Jr. I give him two years. And, of course, because I got to get my Sue News out there. No, Sue News. Bears, former Detroit Lions defensive end, now with the, now with the Chicago Bears. Who has been lighting Young, it up. Who has been lighting it up. Willie Young says that he would love to bring Indomitian Sue to the Bears. Nope. He's not going there. As I expressed earlier, all about the money, which I don't believe Chicago has. They probably do have money. Their defense is full of holes. I don't know the full cap numbers. All I know is I would not want to see Indomitian Sue. I wouldn't want to see him in our division. I would not want to see him in the It would be like when Dennis Rodman went to the Bulls. Don't want that. Don't want that. But... To finish up our show today, it's time for our week six score prediction for the Lions. It's week six, and we're going to pick some scores for week six. What's your score prediction, though? Lions lose 24-21. Ooh, what about you, Higer? Lions lose 23-20. to I got the Lions winning, of course. You know me. The young hopeful. <laughs> the young hopeful. Young hopeful. They're winning 27 to 20. The, lo- the offense is picking up. Jim Caldwell's not going to let You think the again. offense is picking up without Calvin Johnson? Yes, And I Reggie do. Bush. Yep. And, and Joey Bell. No, Joey Bell's going to play. Bell that Bell's was concussion. It was all concussion, not the legs. He'll play. I think Calvin Johnson will play, too. Uh, I can. I, I would not. And if that I happens. I think Calvin Johnson's going to play. That. I think Reggie Bush could play, too. I would not. Count, I would not count on it, Chris. Oh. I, don't, I don't see Calvin Johnson practicing this week. I think that they already know they, they made a mistake last week by having Calvin Johnson play, and that blew up in their face quite clearly. They're, he's not going to play this week. I think the pressure's on. The offense is going to dial it up. Perfect chance against a division rival. Well, uh, uh. <laughs> well on that note, we are going to end our show. Chris Lewis. Thank you both. Oh, thank you, Higer. Thanks, Hig. It's always a pleasure. It was so great. It really is. I know we started off this show on a sad note. I think we got all of our anger and tears and frustration out on this podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it, and I hope you guys come back next week to listen, of course, to the Lions Den here on Impact Sports. Thank you. For Lewis and Chris, I'm Michael Higer, and go, go!